Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Uh, Frank, you said to me, this is why we podcast. <laughs> and I think you're right. Or during the regular season, this is why we podcast, particularly on a daily basis. The Bucks beat the Clippers 105-100. Uh, they play uh, winning basketball on an afternoon game, which in itself is a shock to the system. They actually started this game relatively well, despite the fact that neither team really shot the ball from three uh, particularly well in this game. But Giannis, this was a vintage Giannis performance. Is he old enough for us to say he had vintage performances, by the way? I'm not 100% sure about that. But 36 points, 14 rebounds, five assists, four blocks. Maybe the block of the season. On Zubats, we can touch on all that. But I, I think we can start with Giannis, or really take it wherever you want. But overall, uh, this was the most enjoyable game of the regular season. This was awesome. Yeah, and I'm glad you, you added the regular season qualifier there because uh, <laughs> as I was thinking about it, you know, before we were discussing, I, I, I was like, well, you really podcast because you want to be doing these in the playoffs and hopefully, you know, yeah. the dream is obviously to, <laughs> to one day do a podcast as the Bucks win an NBA championship. but. Yeah, as far as regular season games go, this this was a lot of fun. Uh, it was really competitive, and you know, we it was talked about after the Pelicans game that that was the first game of the season the Bucks had won when they were tied, even tied going into the fourth quarter. And this one, Bucks go into the fourth quarter with the deficit, and to uh, you know, they they third quarter they established a bit of a lead, but then give up what was it a twenty one to seven run something like that by the Clippers. As uh, you know, LA goes up by I think it was four at the end of uh, the fourth at the end of the third quarter, and you know I, I was I was just sort of sitting there thinking you know Clippers hit some threes at times Bucks would you know get with within you know a couple points and then the Clippers hit a three and you know they were sort of down like it felt like three to six points most of the fourth quarter at least and uh, you know watching this team this year yes there there is the question can they finish close games like this. We've seen them be competitive against a lot of good teams and just come up short at the end. And so uh, to see them not just close out a game, but but to come back and to hold the Clippers scoreless in what was the last 401 of the game um, for a team who's obviously defensively, there have been a lot of questions this year. It was a really great thing to see. And it's just one game ultimately. Uh, but I think it was one that you know, again, if you're, if you're going to follow a sport, you know, yes, I realize it's about championships and, and postseason success, but, um, you know, I, I had a, a fun experience myself. Uh, my, my story of this game, I started watching it kind of late, put my daughter down for a nap, went to grocery store, headed on DVR, and my daughter woke up from her nap literally with like a few minutes left. Like I think it was like two minutes left in the game. 
And so she came down and we watched the end of the game and she's, she just turned three. She knows she, she refers to basketball as my favorite TV show. Um, <laughs> Cause you know, she, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how that she's aware exactly of what the bucks are, you know, that they're my hometown team. Exactly. Um, she knows, uh, you know, my parents, uh, her Oma and Opa, as uh, she calls them in German, uh, live in Milwaukee, but um, you know, let's just say she's not a, a fountain of, of, of NBA and Bucks knowledge at this point, but, um, but she had a, you know, she, she came down, sat, watched the last few minutes with me. And I kind of was thinking like, well, even if the Bucks lose, I'm at least spending time with my daughter. And, um, that makes this all a lot more tolerable and enjoyable and for them to win and, uh, for her to sort of get to enjoy me being excited while things were happening. And I was trying to explain to her, you know, that's Giannis when he was at the free throw line. Uh, and then she was asking me, what are other players' names? You know, so I was trying to <laughs> list off like other players' names, even though she has no idea, you know, who they were. Um, so that was my, that was my kind of fun way to, to watch the Bucks close this one out. But, uh, I thought, I think also just interesting contrast to a year ago, this fixture, the Clippers and Bucks, you know, that came into, that came in as, as a big matchup and the Clippers, I, I think I remember the Clippers put, Mo Harkless on Giannis, I think. And I think, I don't think either Kawhi or Paul George actually defended Chris Middleton either. They basically like rope a doped sort of like to start the game. So it was like they didn't want to like bother with, with, you know, sort of like putting their best guys on the Bucks' best guys. And so the Bucks sort of did similar. And the Bucks just, you know, hit a ton of threes and just completely shut them down. And it was never competitive at all. It almost was like we didn't learn anything from it because it was, it was just too big of a blowout. And I thought this game, was enjoyable for sort of the opposite reasons in that I think we actually did learn a lot more about these teams. We saw Giannis guarding Kawhi. We saw Kawhi guarding Giannis. We saw George and, and Middleton and lots of cross matchups and, you know, increasing amounts of switching as the game went on. Um, and so I thought it was a really good way to sort of understand what these teams' strengths and weaknesses uh, were and are. And clearly the Bucks have not been perfect this year. Um, but we saw Drew Holiday come back and modest stat line, but I thought Drew made some, some big plays, especially late in the game and was clearly a big boost to have him back in the lineup. Hopefully he starts to get his legs under him. But as you said, Giannis was incredible in this game, especially that fourth quarter with 17 points on six out of six shooting. Um, and, uh, you know, for him to do that on the national stage, making big plays on both ends, as you said, maybe the block of the season on Zubats and just, you know, repeatedly uh, getting buckets, hitting free throws late. He had a big three in the fourth quarter. This was uh, really one of those games where, you know, I, 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 I've said it before, but appreciate these moments and these games from Giannis. I mean, the, the things that this guy can do are just incredible. And uh, you, it's so it's, it, you know, you can take it for granted the way he's able to just go through dudes, dunk the ball, the way he's able to make plays, the way he's able to, you know, just do things that I've never seen guys do on a basketball court, make plays on both ends. Um, he's incredible. And whatever happens during his tenure with the Bucks, hopefully it is a very long one. Still, um, you know, we should all be thankful that we get to watch him play game in and game out. And this was just another one of those days where, you know, I think you can understand why it's fun to watch regular season basketball. Um, and and they, you can tell it meant a lot to him. He had a really good time. This was we've had a lot of Giannis fist pumping lately, uh, and it's uh, it's been fun to watch. And and this team obviously is is you know has been in a in an upswing a bit, and hopefully that continues.
Yeah, the fun stands out to me, Frank. Even his game-winning dunk, and we can, we can talk about that specifically a little bit more here uh, now, but just the smile after he made that play. And we've seen this now over the last week or so. Uh, he's been talking a lot about it. It's about finding the joy in playing basketball and enjoying himself and enjoying the ride and perhaps not riding the emotional roller coaster as much as he has in the past with every single win or every single loss. But uh, we're seeing him smile a lot. And that generally is a good thing if you're a Bucks fan because it means that the team is playing well. I thought that the last play perfectly encapsulated parts of what we've seen from this Bucks team throughout the season. And I, th- I think at times, particularly when the Bucks were losing games, I think that it can be frustrating to listen to me bang on about, oh, the Bucks are trying this and the Bucks are trying that. But I like the fact that I, I think that they're going to be better suited to the playoffs when the Bucks aren't winning these games against big teams. And the reality is that they haven't done it this season. Uh, you pointed to the fact that they came from behind. That was literally the first time this season that they have been trailing after three quarters and come back and won the game. Uh, they were tied against the Pelicans a couple of nights ago. So this idea of even trailing against a fellow contending team in a really, really competitive game of basketball and finding a way to not only defend, but also score, I I think is what we expect to see from this team. And that last play in itself was, again, some of uh, highlighted some of the adjustments the Bucs have made. Giannis spoke about it post-game. He said the idea was just to get me a one-on-one touch at the elbow because uh, they weren't double-teaming me. That was the plan. That in itself is different. I mean, how many times do we see that uh, late in the game or have we seen that in previous years? Not all that much. It would start with Giannis at the ball at the top. He found Drew Holiday. And this is where having the third guy is just so critical and so vital to what the Bucs are going to be able to do in the half court. Previously, you'd probably have to run something with Chris and Giannis together. And then the third guy is just a shooter on the outside. Perhaps it's Pat Connaughton in the corner who shoots that first three. Perhaps that's the shot you get. I'm not sure. But having Drew in there, as smart as he is, and also the fact that he's just a threat, Drew bodies to him. He was able to find Pat. And then the extra pass ends up in the hands of Chris Middleton and his playmaking, which has been so improved this season. And that's how you generate a wide open lane for Giannis to roll in, not take a freaking dribble from about the free throw line or wherever the hell he caught that ball and throw it down. And I just think that we've seen it on multiple occasions through different games, but having this result in the final seconds of a really competitive game against a contender and coming up with the win, I think is the the visual positive reinforcement, I think, of what we've been seeing throughout the season. And that was cool. That was cool to see. All right, Frank, I want to talk about our friends over at Headspace now because wouldn't it be great if there was a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep, focus, act, and be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. If you need some help falling asleep, that's probably the area I fall into here. Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by, and for parents... Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. So maybe the the kid stuff is more you, Frank. Uh, The general sleep stuff is me, but I I have used it and I I enjoyed it. It helped me. It helped me get a good night's sleep. So I can highly recommend that. Headspace is backed by 25 
published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, pretty similar to Locked On Bucks, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you, on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash locked on NBA. That's headspace.com slash locked on NBA for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash locked on NBA today. Once you've done that, uh, I know you're going to be looking for the next activity and clearly that should be heading over to betonline.ag because it is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows and reality TV. Uh, I don't watch reality TV so much, but there's this show here in Australia, Married at First Sight, that just fills the Twitter timeline every single night. I don't know if they have that show in America, um, I don't know, maybe I need to go on it. I, I, I don't really know. But Bet Online, let's get back on track. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. Uh, there's going to be some pretty juicy Giannis MVP odds out there with the way that he is playing. Bet Online your online sportsbook experts. We're covering everything you need to know about the Milwaukee Bucks, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I think Middleton talked about it after the game. Um, I think Eric may be the one that asked him a question about that, that set. And, you know, Giannis was, was going to the elbow and uh, Drew, Drew comes out, basically gets the ball, you know, pulls up to the top of the key. And Chris kind of, uh, I think, was flashing to the, um, to the left wing on an Iverson cut. And mm. uh, I forget if it was, if it was probably Paul George, I'm guessing. Um, I kind of overplayed it and, and there wasn't really a passing angle for it. And so, you know, this is sort of one of these things, right? Like, I think a lot of times as fans, we sort of think of what happens on the floor, especially late game, right? We think of it as like, well, that's the, what, what play did you draw up? And, you know, it's, it's like a linear thing. Like, well, you're going to, this guy passes it to that guy and then he does X, Y, Z. Um, and, you know, we don't always acknowledge that like, well, there's, there's got to be like multiple options and progressions that, that guys have for different options in a play. And so that play might have been ideally drawn up for Drew to pass it to Chris going to his left. And then, you know, maybe it was, you know, Giannis coming over then for a screen and the upside of that. I mean, we saw it. Um, I'm trying to think if Giannis scored on, I think, I think he may have, may have scored on one of them. And he, I think he might've missed one in the fourth, not in the fourth, in the third quarter um, where they basically go to like an empty set on the left side so that Giannis can screen and then, rolled the hoop and there's like nobody it's, it's harder to help over to him but instead of that happening drew then just goes directly to Giannis. drew makes a really good cut Giannis makes a really good pass and you know then the ball moves from there and i think a lot of the frustration you know as bucks fans watching the bucks defense is the bucks getting put into rotation at times <laughs> chasing the ball and so it was really fun 
in a late game, big <laughs> possession to see the ball moving and guys making multiple reads and making the right play. And, you know, in an ideal world, right. Uh, a play like that ends up, I mean, you can't, you can't think of a better ending than a Giannis dunk, right. To a, to a late, late game bucks possession. And I sort of sometimes joke when, you know, the bucks have run late game plays and, you know, it results in the Chris Middleton contested three or whatever. Um, you know, people complaining about the the play call and it's like, well, you know, Hey, if there was the get Giannis a dunk play, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think right. you'd, you'd call that. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, ironically that, that ultimately was what they got out of this, but, but look only, you know, the first pieces of this play are like strictly diagrammed out. And from there, it's just players having to make basketball plays and just be smart and, you know, react and then use their talents. And I thought, it was it was an interesting contrast for the Bucks to to end the game with that action, and in general, the Bucks. I mean, there were still some obviously these moves were sort of kind of like you know more ISO type plays, more simple type plays that the Bucks ran. Um, but it was cool that the Bucks, you know, cl- they they clinched the game right. They were they were up one at the time that they kind of clinched the game on a team play, right? A very solid play, as our friend Lee Alice would say. Although Giannis dunked, so I feel like that sort of goes against Lee Alice's sort of sensibilities. If it was like a layup, maybe it would have been, been more of a very solid play, but <laughs> the thundering dunk is maybe a little too much mustard. But, um, but meanwhile, you can contrast it on the other end. And the Clippers, who, you know, I thought, I thought the Clippers were up their most dangerous today when, you know, we saw Giannis on Kawhi a fair bit, but, you know, it's what we've always talked about. If Giannis is trying to guard these more like wing type players who can play pick and roll, okay. Well, then they just go pick and roll and Giannis is either fighting over screens, which he struggles to do, or you have to switch. And it was interesting that, you know, Kawhi was in the corner a couple of times when Giannis was guarding him. Um, they switched a couple of times, like before kind of the play even got normally kind of into its, its, its play. Um, and otherwise, though, we saw a lot of like kind of one-on-one basketball, I think, from the Clippers. And, you know, that's, that's sort of the, the, the downside of having really good isolation shot creating type players is that you can probably get stuck falling back into we're just going to go one-on-one right and it did feel like the Clippers got away from some of the ball movement that they used to really good effect in the third quarter but I think a big part of that was also the Bucks changing up their defense Uh, we saw them eventually go very small you know essentially matching the Clippers uh, with a pretty small lineup Giannis is the biggest guy on the floor when they eventually they ultimately took Brooke out uh, and that let them kind of do some different things. You know, they were kind of pre-switching. Um, and, you know, when Giannis and Chris are defending your two best players, well, you know, it, putting those guys into a pick and roll doesn't really do a whole lot, right? We saw Chris switch on the Kawhi once or twice. Um, the play where Giannis came over and helped uh, block that shot by, by Kawhi on that, that post play where Chris is defending him. Uh, I think that started off with Giannis originally guarding him. And so it's, it's – uh, it, it was a really interesting kind of cat and mouse game and, and just sort of tactical back and forth between Bud and, and Ty Lu. And I think ultimately, you know, Bucks, you have to give them credit. They, I think in the third quarter, um, you know, the, the drop stuff they were doing when the Clippers started working the ball around, they started hitting threes. Um, you know, the Bucks started to get exposed a bit and they obviously, you know, went in a different direction in the fourth quarter and ultimately went small and with the way that the Clippers uh, were were set up on on their side as well, that that obviously was the right choice. And credit to to the Bucks defense, um, you know, for for stepping up. I thought it was interesting. Dante Divincenzo as well was was like hedging hard 
um, and and throwing off some of the, the pick and rolls yeah, yeah. that they were trying to run as well. You know, instead of just straight switching and putting a smaller guy like Dante in those guys, he was kind of hedging really hard and kind of creating a little bit of uncertainty in terms of you know how the Clippers could attack could attack them. So uh, just just a really you know encouraging defensive performance overall. I think the Clippers were at like a 104 offensive rating today. Um, both teams shot pretty much the same from three. I think they were like around like 32%, I want to say, something like that from both teams. So you really can't point to the three-point line as being, you know, well, one team shot well and the other team shot poorly. You know, pretty much all netted out from three. And the Clippers, I think, only had 30 pain points and they had 22 mid-range points. So they leaned heavily on shots that I think if you're the Bucks. That, I mean, that, those are the shots that you live with with a defense like this. And the Bucks, I think, to their credit, obviously, you know, was not their best offensive game, but that's a Clipper team that can defend at a high level and can match up and throw great defenders at both Giannis and Chris. And credit to the Bucks overall and, and those guys in particular. They took, you know, they took it and they managed to, to continue to attack and find ways to, you know, make sure that it wasn't just those guys defending them and put themselves in positions to succeed, especially Giannis, obviously, with that monster fourth quarter. The Clippers just obviously did not really have any answers for him, and he kept getting loose in different ways against different guys, and um, just just a really fun performance to watch on on both ends. All right, Frank, it's Built Bar time. We're going to talk about the best protein bar that has that's ever existed. I mean, it's just the best. I, I don't know how else to, to describe Built Bar, but if you haven't tried it yet, and you've been listening to this podcast and listening to me talk about Built Bar for as long as I have, then it's time you get off your ass and get some Built Bars. I, I just I can't recommend them any more than I already have. There are 18 uh, great flavors to choose from. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Uh, the bars are great for the health-conscious guy, so you don't need to worry about that. Uh, they're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for those on the keto diet as well. All you have to do is go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON20, and you'll get 20% off your next order. So this has changed. The promo code has changed here. It's a locked on 20 The numbers, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-2-0. For 20% off at builtbar.com. Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. How much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft podcast, prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. It's interesting because Jalen Rose at halftime had a bit of a clip where he was praising the Clippers' offense for uh, how they were moving the ball and the fact that they were really getting the Bucks into their rotation. Certainly in the third quarter, it was almost terrible flashbacks to the Eastern Conference Finals. Serge Barker was just absolutely on fire. And then in the, to start the fourth quarter, Kawhi Leonard was making some tough shots. And you were thinking, well, this is going to be difficult. But as you said... Uh, going away from that ball movement d- did and will play into the Bucks' hands with the individual defenders that they do have. And this is really the question with you know, playoff teams and contending teams. I mean, you obviously want the superstars because those are the guys that are going to get you buckets in those isolation situations. But in a game like this, it did make it easier for the Bucks to defend. And the Clippers took a 93-87 lead with around six minutes, seven minutes left in the game to Marcus Morris. And I know... We were kind of DMing about it, and I reckon at this stage you must have been still a little bit behind, Frank. But 
Eric was sort of mentioned that, well, I, I don't think they were really overhelping. And I'm not sure if overhelping is, is the right word, but Kawhi was backing down Drew and Giannis was sort of, he'd already floated across and he wasn't doubling, but he was kind of just standing there in the paint. And if Kawhi had have beaten Drew, then Giannis was going to be there. But then Brook Lopez found himself standing next to Giannis and you mentioned the 30 paint points and I reckon that this is a game where the Bucks will look at it and say, well, this is the numbers that we want, as you pointed to the mid-range stuff. But at times, I still just do think that they do find themselves crowding in the paint really unnecessarily. And we saw Drew Holiday defend Kawhi really well. He made some tough shots. He's going to do that. He's a superstar player. But I still think at times, if there was one thing you were going to nitpick from this game, uh, they can still just get sucked into the paint a little bit and it didn't necessarily hurt them uh, on today's game, 31.8% the Clippers, 316 the Bucks. So you were, you were right on with that number there. But those are the types of ones we've seen where the role players have hurt the Bucks because they just find it a little bit difficult not to, uh, to leave their teammates in one-on-one situations and not crowd the paint and leave either an easy ball swing or just a straight-up open guy in the corner. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think the... the you know, LA can be one of the most explosive offenses in the league night to night. And, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because they don't have that, you know, they don't have Dame Lillard or Seth Curry, right. They're a team that's Mm -hmm. built around their, their explosive wings and, and the scoring that you get from, from George and Kawhi Lou Williams, obviously coming off the bench, I think gave the bucks problems at, at times. Uh, It was interesting looking at the box score because you know, all the Clippers starters were negatives tonight in terms of plus minus, and it was really the the bench guys who were positives, which I thought was was a bit interesting. Um, you know, again, single game plus minus always apply caveats to that, but you know, it does give you a, at least a sense of which units had success relative to to one another. And so it was interesting that the Clippers uh, starters, you know, really never got totally on track, and especially those first two quarters. Um, you know, never got into a really explosive groove. And it really wasn't until that third quarter run when, you know, the Bucks had had success sort of saying, all right, we're going to take away the paint. And if we give up some spot up threes to, you know, Ibaka or, or your secondary guys, like, yeah, we can live with that, right? That's sort of the classic Bucks motto. And unfortunately, it, it started to snowball a bit when, when uh, they started to hit some threes. You know, Ibaka, three out of seven from three, you know, again, not like a massive lights out shooting night, but he got loose and uh, it seemed to come at the exact same time that the Bucks really lost some of their fluidity offensively. I mean, Giannis was in for a large portion of that time. So it wasn't like the Bucks had you know, like a bench unit or something. Um, and, but they, you know, they just, it just felt like they were rushing up shots. You know, there were a couple like of those Dante dribble up, no pass three point pull up type shots, which, to his credit, he, he's hit uh, those shots a fair bit this season, but um, it didn't. It felt like the Bucks were, you know, when we talk about the Bucks not always valuing possessions, felt like things were slipping away from them a little bit. That they were maybe rushing things a little bit in that third quarter, and LA was was being pretty methodical and and you know kind of dissecting the Bucks defense to a bit. But look, I mean, to their credit, I think Middleton came back in. He had that four point play. Um, you know, Chris had a bit of a run there, uh, I think, to sort of keep the Bucks, make sure that the game didn't slide, you know, to a 10-point deficit or something like that. And then the fourth quarter, obviously, Giannis comes back in, and he was just uh, just a machine, um, kind of just getting getting wherever he wanted. And 
uh, obviously the Clippers um, just didn't didn't really have answers. And um, is now is now a good time to talk about that Zubats block because I feel like we need to talk <laughs> about that block. Um, you know, Gian- Giannis has had um, he it's it's been fun to watch his defensive playmaking in a season where I think especially um, the first couple months I think his defense and his positioning I think he's a guy that has struggled at times with the evolving sort of schematic approach the Bucks have been taking let's put it that way um and and not necessarily you know always being on the same page with his teammates and you know maybe not always being uh, as aware as, as you want him to be of of kind of what's happening on defense but um I think he averaged 1.7 blocks this month he had, you know, a bunch of blocks in that OKC game. He's had a lot of multi-block games this month. And tonight, I think he had, I, th- I don't know if all four were in, the, I think all four were in the second half. And the block he had on Zubats was, um, I thought it was actually kind of reminiscent of the, the play where Rudy Gobert dunked on him uh, in Utah, where, you know, it's a pick and roll. He's, he's, in the, he's defending a guy in the corner and he rolls and he has to help late, and he come over comes over from the weak side against an enormous human being who is <laughs> coming with high speed down the lane. And you know, th- the thing about this block is, a, he's coming late. B, <laughs> Zubats is a huge human being. I mean, he cocked it back behind his head, like he was not just trying to get the ball up to the rim, you know, as quickly as possible. He was trying to dunk as hard as he could. And for Giannis to come late from the weak side. He gets up from like right under the rim, right? Um, I mean, I just watched it and I was like, I was worried that Giannis was going to have his arm like bashed up against the rim and hurt his like arm or something like that. And you watch that on replay, his arm, I mean, you know, I don't know how good of an arm wrestler Giannis is. You wouldn't think he'd be that good given how long his, his arm is. I don't know from a leverage standpoint, he'd be that good of an arm wrestler, but my God, the strength to come up there and block that shot and not, not have your arm give an inch with this dude trying to just yam as hard as he can. Um, it was, I mean, it's an incredible play to, to block it, block it clean and <laughs> not hurt yourself. Um, let alone to even have the, just the guts, right? I mean, you know, a lot of guys make the business decision like Marcus Morris with Giannis coming down the lane <laughs> with 10 seconds left, <laughs> they see him coming. They're like, no, I'm not, I can't do anything against this dude. I'm just going to pull out. Uh, that, that's obviously not really in Giannis's lexicon. He, he's going for a block. He doesn't care if he's getting put on a poster. And um, it, you know, wound up being one of the, the more impressive blocks that, that you're going to see. I, I was going to say we should do a, we, we, you know, we should try to think of like the most impressive blocks of, of Giannis's career. I think just as far as pure, just high speed, um, violent incidents that's uh that one is right up there yeah that would be tough to beat i think mostly well there's a couple of factors the game situation is one uh, obviously it was a big moment in the game and it's in the fourth quarter and the second is as you pointed to was the intentions of zubats i mean he, he he was he was coming with some speed i mean it's actually impossible to think how you can pull off that block and not foul i mean i, I you see the collision in real time and then once they slow it down and you see the timing and the precision, it's honestly unbelievable. 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know how he did it without fouling. And my initial thought in any time there's a collision like that is that there has to be some sort of foul there. And uh, they don't always call it. I mean, you can't call everything, but that was legitimate. It was just a legitimate block and just an incredible play. And I would have to imagine that would be, as you sort of pointed to, one of uh, the best he's had. It was awesome. But just some Giannis numbers for you, Frank. I know you love these. February is done. So February in the books for Giannis, I find it hard to believe that he wouldn't be the Eastern Conference Player of the Month when they decide that. 15 games. Uh, 15 games for Giannis on the month. He's averaged 34 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, a steal and a half, and a block and a half as well. So uh, pretty good stuff there. It's going to be hard to beat those numbers. And do you know what the most ridiculous stat with Giannis is so far this season? He is 78.7% in the restricted area. 258 for 328 on the season. Uh, for all the talk, you know, of the early season struggles, whatever you want to, whatever you want to uh, call back to there, this is by far the most efficient he's been in the spot where literally everyone knows that he's trying to score and plans to stop him in there. It's just absolutely absurd at this point. I thought we should probably talk a little bit more can, about can I, Drew. Can I, uh, let me just let me just add a couple. I'm just going to throw out a couple of my favorite blocks that I can remember. So hit, yeah. hit tweet at us tomorrow. Tweet at us tomorrow if you can if you can shoot us a video link. Even better, um, I, I do want to I want to get a collection here of some of the the best Giannis blocks. But um, the one that that I the, the couple that that immediately come to mind. You talk about like uh, game situation. I don't know if it was in game six of the East Finals or if it was one of the earlier games. But do you remember that block he had? Kawhi Leonard tried to dunk on him, and he I think it might have been with his left hand. Giannis blocked him. And the unfortunate thing is the ball went then straight to, I believe, Ibaka, and Ibaka like, laid it right up. So it was like an absolutely insane block of a dunk attempt by Kawhi Leonard, but it immediately went for not because the Raptors like, literally just scored off the loose ball that, that came off it. That was one of the most impressive ones. Maybe my favorite personal one is the block he had in his first MVP campaign. Everybody remembers that late season performance in Philadelphia. He scores 45 locks up the MVP. It was basically the exclamation point on that MVP campaign. And he had a couple of enormous blocks on Embiid, but there was one, I think it was earlier in the game where Embiid kind of came, uh, he was kind of coming sort of from like the right side of the lane and he went up to dunk and Giannis came over and got him with his left hand and put literally put Embiid on the ground with the strength of, on the block. And so that was just, to me, maybe the most, one of the most impressive blocks is against an enormous human being and literally MB goes crashing to the floor <laughs> with the strength <laughs> of the block. So those are a couple of ones that came to mind. But there's also like a whole host of like chase down blocks. I feel like these used to be much more of the Giannis, you know, wheelhouse blocks were his chase down blocks, which he had, you know, I think about like that one he had against, I think it was, was it Evan Turner as a rookie? That was like one of his first signature plays against the Celtics where he block, he comes in with that great chase down block, and then he comes back on the other end. Luke Ridnour finds him for a dunk. That was one of like Giannis' sort of first signature plays in the NBA. So, and he's had a bunch of other you know sort of chase down type blocks over the over the years. But uh, but yeah, tweet us your favorite Giannis blocks in the next day or two. Um, I mean, he's an incredible shot block. Of course, there was the, I, I think was it his was it his rookie preseason the the first get that shot out of here Shabazz block um, on Shabazz Muhammad. I oh might've been, God. I think in, in the first preseason, but anyway, I'm, I'm having a fun trip down memory lane, but yes, let's talk about Drew holiday because he scores two points. He plays what 18 minutes. 
he was on a minutes restriction. He came off the bench. You might look at it and say, well, yeah, probably isn't really helping you much, but um, man, I was really happy to see Drew Holiday and he had uh, some, some plays in this game. We, we talked about the, the one that led to uh, the honest dunk, but he had a couple plays in this game that won't even show up on the stat sheet, but you know, it, it is very good to have Drew Holiday back. Well, first of all, let me just say that you, in the space of about 90 seconds, you went from maybe we should do a Giannis best of pod to just decide and you were just going to go for it. But I, I, res- I respect it. Uh, I, w- I will say one of the chase down blocks, I, I think I remember one on Jason Tatum uh, in the last two yeah. seasons, which was pretty awesome. Where two years one ago, of those, yeah. yeah, one of those ones where you're just like, I didn't even know why he's attempting to do this. And you're like, oh, holy shit, he just blocked that. That was pretty damn awesome. Uh, but uh, that's the beauty of having a player that, that goes for those types of plays. But Drew Holiday. Fourth quarter, as you mentioned, he made a couple of plays. But if you look at the fourth quarter box score, it's pretty funny. He played five minutes and 13 seconds in the fourth. Zero shot attempts, zero rebounds, uh, one assist, and one turnover. That's all that shows up on the box score. But he had a couple of other big plays as well. He, uh, Paul George was rolling to the basket late in the game, and he, he didn't get credited with a block here. Um, but he was able to defend straight up. and. I don't know what you want to call it then, not block, but deflect the shot, whatever the hell you want to call it. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's one that you'll chase up, Frank. But it was a big play. And he admitted himself that he had a significant amount of rust coming into this one. Clearly, he didn't start in this game. I think the All-Star game, is uh, the All-Star weekend or All-Star break is going to come at a good time for him to play a couple of games, get, uh, shake off a little bit of the rust and then recover and then hopefully come back after the All-Star break feeling good. Because he did reveal after the game that he did test positive. Now, we basically assumed that that was the case, and Chris Milton kind of gave that up. But uh, the, you know, the scary thing for Drew was that he was feeling pretty unwell. And he said this after the game. He had symptoms. He had the chills. He was feeling really fatigued. He was in bed. Uh, he even mentioned losing his taste and smell there as well so uh, you know he played it down because that's the type of guy he is when he speaks but you know, it didn't sound like it was a very pleasant experience for him and I know that there's been uh, you know a little bit of not frustration impatience I would say with Drew missing as many games as he had but again it's it's just another one of those reminders that with these virus sometimes with the pro athletes I guess we we just assume or it can be assumed that ah they'll be fine they'll be back they're just literally ticking the days off until they can come back and join the team and that's not really the case and there's been multiple players that have struggled on return so all things considered and what Drew revealed post game for him to be able to have an impact a serious impact in this game against the contending team in the fourth quarter is actually more it's it's remarkable it's incredible that he was able to do that yeah, and, and you know the upside is Drew is a guy, as much as he's got great physical tools, and I think that play on, on Paul George, I mean, he's rotating over as a, as a rim protector, basically, right? It's a 6'4", yeah. rim-protecting point guard. Um, and to go up vertical and force Paul George to really you know, have to alter his shot and he misses it, uh, yeah, I mean, how many, how many point guards can make that play? Not many, right? And, and so for him he's always relied more on his craft and guile and intelligence uh, than just sort of, you know, pure explosiveness or, or whatever. So, so you hope that, you know, he'll get his, his rust off. And, and again, you just cross your fingers that especially the sort of the respiratory after effects that, you know, we've been hearing for a year now about people who have COVID, not just athletes, obviously, you know, athletes seem to, you know, typically have had obviously better recoveries and, and haven't had as much long-term issues, at least what we hear publicly than you know the average person but 
you know, we've heard Jason Tatum talk about that recently. I think he missed five games with COVID and has said that, you know, getting his wind and, and not suffering, you know, having fatigue issues that that's kind of continued to bother him a bit. Um, even coming back from, from it now weeks ago, uh, you know, you just hope that, that Drew doesn't have to deal with it to the same degree that, that some other folks have. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, again, he, he's just such a smart player um, that even when he's not scoring, you know, he came in and he got up some three pointers really quickly. Um, you know, he didn't, he didn't look bad. He had a really uh, silky little left-handed finish uh, in the first mm-hmm. half. That was his only bucket. Um, but of course, you know, coming back from, you know, weeks, weeks off, uh, you're not just going to come in and just start, you know, hitting shots at, at the same rate that, that you were before. So, um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, just <laughs> especially given the relative lack of size and defensive um, abilities of the other guards that the Bucks have, you know, just Drew coming in, just being smart and doing what, what he can for, you know, even if it is only 20 minutes um, is, is obviously a huge plus and, and hopefully he gets his rhythm back sooner rather than later. But just nice to see him out uh, on the basketball court. And obviously he just gives you a huge boost, even if he's not exactly the, you know, all-star level Drew Holiday that, that we saw in the first, first part of the season. Cause you know, it was an interesting part about this game. I mean, Bucks did not get, you know, the explosive scene. You know, usually when the Bucks win, we're used to seeing Bryn Forbes and Bobby mm-hmm. Portis and, and so- someone from that group, you know, have kind of a big scoring night. Um, you know, I thought Portis did some nice stuff um, today. Actually, on, on both ends, he had some actually pretty good, pretty good moments, um, but not really, you know, standout nights from from any of the, the kind of bench guys today. Uh, so it was that that was encouraging because you know really was in many ways the starters having to kind of get it done. Plus, Drew as as the honorary starter today. So um, so yeah, I, I thought uh, again, great to have him back. And uh, I, I thought one of the most surprising things, you know, and if the Bucks. If if the kind of tables are turned and the Bucks go scoreless last four minutes instead of the the Clippers, I'm sure people would be talking about it. But I I thought it was interesting how much DJ Augustine played in the fourth quarter. Um, and you know, on the one hand, you can hide, um, you know, you could hide guys uh, out on the floor a little bit against the likes of Beverly. You know, who obviously is not a guy that that is really going to attack you off the dribble. Um, you know, the Bucks sort of hid guys on Batum for much of the night and he had a couple shots, but you know, he wasn't, um, he didn't really hurt the Bucks that much. I think he hit two threes tonight. Uh, but so it was interesting that, that Augustine was able to play as much as he did. And, uh, it's, it's interesting. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's a, he's a pretty, I mean, he knows his physical limitations, obviously, you know, he's not like a Trey young, hopeless type defender or something like that for a small guy. Um, I think he actually competes reasonably well defensively and he had that one play. I think, I think the the Clippers had might've gotten an offensive rebound and they were resetting their offense. And um, they tried to make a pass out to, to the wing and, and DJ just picked it off and got the Bucks going back the other way. I thought that was actually a, you, know, you look at the, the last few minutes of that game as the Bucks really locked down defensively. I thought that was actually a pretty big play. And, you know, certainly from a, uh, a source you would not have expected. I think, what was DJ in the box? Was he a plus 17? I think he might've led the bucks in plus minus today, which again, you know, is not to say that DJ Augustine was some, some great player tonight. Um, but with him, the concern is obviously, Hey, can you avoid getting exploited? And Hey, when he's a positive, you know, when you play a top team and DJ Augustine can be a positive in the, in the box score in the plus minus department, you feel pretty good, right? Cause those are minutes that you're just sort of trying to, to keep even. And, 
a bit different role with him having started here uh, again uh, with Drew coming off the bench. But um, the fact that they were able to keep him out on the floor a fair bit and and not you know get abused too badly for it um, obviously is a uh, is is a positive as well. So that's my moment of of DJ Augustine positivity, which I feel like you know on a on a day where Bucks fans should be happy, um, you know maybe I can sneak in a little like, hey, DJ Augustine did fine, yay. Well, actually, I'm, I'm glad you did because I was thinking to myself at the end of this game, there's actually a significant amount of upside and it's for a lot of the reasons that you pointed to. I mean, obviously, number one is Drew Holiday is going to play a lot more. I mean, 26 minutes for DJ Augustine is, is, a, is a hell of a lot. I mean, you're not going to be seeing that in the postseason. Uh, you hope anyway. You hope there won't be a need to do that. But yeah, Drew Holiday checked back into the game with 157 remaining uh, there for DJ Augustine. He had a little... A two-minute stretch there where he got a bit of rest and it was funny Drew Holiday admitted after the game that he wasn't expecting to come back in once he was taken out so he appreciated that he was excited about that but yeah DJ Augustine hit that big shot as you pointed to and really Brent Forbes I mean he, he just couldn't get any of those looks that he's been getting and it's a difficult team to do to run those uh, you know dribble handoffs get him around screens that they've been doing so well the two-man game with Giannis because the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George and even uh, Batum, who's had a pretty good season for those guys. I mean, they were right onto that. And there was a couple of times where Forbes received the ball and it looked like he was planting his feet to let it fly. And he's like, oh, great. I got uh, Kawhi Leonard standing right in my face. And he couldn't actually get the shot off. So he was only one for three. And that three came on a offensive rebound, which was just a wide open reset, basically a layup for him the way he's been shooting this season. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how teams defend him uh, moving forward. But again, if he is treated as a threat offensively, then it can only mean good things for everyone else. Probably the only other thing that didn't shock me based on what we've seen the last few weeks, but it is interesting. I mean, I think we thought when Torrey Craig was signed to the Bucks that this would be the type of game that he would really be leaned on, whether it was in second units. And certainly the Bucks and Bud have been playing his starters more. I mean, Giannis plays 39 minutes, 55 seconds tonight. So basically 40 minutes. So I think Bud's been willing to play the starters more anyway and yeah, really match them up in lineups with the opposition wing stars. But Torrey Craig not getting on the floor at all tonight. Uh, it, it, it's just a sign of where he's at in the rotation. And, you know, it's not like Thanasis was playing big minutes ahead of Torrey Craig. He only played four minutes for the entire night as well. So again, despite Drew Holiday being on a minutes restriction, this is just Bud tightening up the rotation. Everyone asked for it. It's hard to complain. Yeah, and I think the the fact that they closed, I, in theory, right, we've been saying it for years, in theory, the Giannis at center lineup should be the Bucks' like, big change-up type weapon thing that, that they should be able to use you know, late in games and playoffs whenever, especially opponents go small. And... You know, like last year, it had you know. You, you look at the, the the lineup data; it was great. It worked really well. But it feels like when they've really needed those lineups to work, you know, in the playoffs, wherever, it just doesn't say. It doesn't seem like Giannis necessarily is, is always really comfortable playing. Like as, as I mean, he he doesn't. I don't, I don't think he ever really plays like a true center. So you really want to lean into him being that like switchable type guy that that you just can't. You know, like like the Heat use Bam or something like that, right? Where you can put him into space and you're not, you know, you're not dropping him or something like that. Um, and so I thought, I thought the fact that we were able to see a lineup with Giannis as the biggest guy on the floor for, you know, the stretches in the fourth quarter tonight. And, you know, we've seen that a bit of late 
as well. Uh, you know, we obviously still see a lot of Brook. Brook played 30 minutes tonight. He was a plus nine, so it's not like, you know, even though Ibaka got out for, for some open threes uh, a couple times, um, you know, it wasn't like all, all Brook problems uh, or something like that or the Brook was getting, you know, Brook is unplayable. Like, I, I've rarely felt like, you know, Lopez was really a, a real, like, big liability defensively. I think people – I think anytime the teams are hitting threes, like, there's this knee jerk to sort of think think that. But yeah. um, I think the Bucks have been much – more capable of, of dealing with that than, than maybe people feel like. Um, and it was interesting today. Like, I think one of the, I think one of the threes that Ibaka hit in the third quarter, um, you know, like it looked like Brooke like sagged off him, but it was cause I think Paul George, um, Chris was guarding Paul George. Paul George, like looks like he's basically uh, taking a screen and going down towards the baseline. And Chris sort of like jumps and basically gets caught under the, under the foul line. And then Paul George just stops and then creates this basic sort of a chain reaction. Burke has to jump out on Paul George and then he passes it over to Serge Bach for an open three. And it's like, you know, I think if you're a fan and you just watch that in real time, you kind of feel like, wait, why the hell was, was Burke leaving, you know, Serge Ibaka? And then I, I watched it like twice again to see like what the hell happened. And well, it wasn't actually Burke's fault. <laughs> it's like Chris Middleton made a bad read and you know, you don't need to, you don't need to give these a team like this much, much room to, uh, to, to really punish you. So um, so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very much of the opinion. I think Kane, you're probably in this as well. Like, you know, the Bucks are going to have to be able to play with Brooke at center. They're going to have to be able to pluck, play with Giannis at center and small lineups. Um, and tonight we, we obviously saw down the stretch, uh, ultimately in those last two minutes and, and obviously the, the group you would expect, uh, probably will see a fair bit in those types of situations. Uh, Drew, Dante, Giannis, Chris, and in this case, Pat Connaughton comes in as, as the fifth guy, basically shifting Giannis and Chris up um, a couple spots to the front court. So uh, it worked out pretty well. And I think big, big concern I have just is like, I, I think, you know, how well do you rebound when you're that, you know, when you're small? Um, and, and obviously the other team is, is often small in that scenario as well. Um, and I think that's probably part of why like Pat, I mean, and the fact that Connaughton has just <laughs> shot the ball well and you know, I think he still leads the Bucks in plus minus. So, I mean, granted, I'm, you know, I know that doesn't mean that Pat Connaughton is, is a great player, but the Bucks have been very good when Pat Connaughton has been on the floor, right? So I think to the extent that anybody wants to blame Pat Connaughton for the Bucks' struggles, I think you got to look someplace else because don't, don't look at him. Bucks have been way better with him on the court than, than on the bench. Um, so we'll, we'll see. And, and as you said, I mean, Torrey Craig is a guy that I think coming into the year, I would have said because of his defensive versatility and his strength, you know, he's a guy that I would have been more interested in than, than Pat Connaughton. Um, but, you know, credit to Pat. He's he's earned those minutes, and that's, I think, a big part of why, you know, Torrey Craig hasn't been playing. I think I think that was part of the, the pregame press as well around with Bud, where there were a couple questions around, you know, Torrey Craig and his role. And, and I think, you know, kind of came up. It's like, hey, he's been the backup four. Guess what? There aren't many minutes if you're backing up Giannis. <laughs> and then, you know, if you're talking about him getting minutes to wing, it's just there's just not a lot of room there. So, Interesting Denver Nuggets are next on the schedule here on Tuesday. That was probably the team that he had his best performance against his old team earlier, you know, a few weeks ago in Denver. So um, we'll be curious to see if, if Bud dusts him off again and, and lets him uh, try to tackle Jamal Murray and company uh, in that game and, and try to see if he can maybe get some of the sparkling against his old former team again. But, um, you know, the best – Best case scenario for Torrey Craig not playing is it's because, you know, other guys are playing well enough to keep him on the outside. 
I don't, I'm not sure I'd say that about the Nexus, but, mm-hmm. um, but you know, Connaughton I think is, has done enough and been consistent enough all year that, that you can't really complain about him, his minutes. And obviously Portis at the four, four slash five. I mean, you know, I don't think there's any question that obviously Bobby's earned, uh, earned his right to, to minutes coming off the bench too. So, um, so we'll see, but, but certainly very nice to see Drew Holiday healthy. And, you know, I think we should be as Bucks fans thankful as well, just that the team's been aside from the Drew stuff, you know, knock on wood, they've, they've been healthy so far and you just hope that continues. Yeah, well, speaking of Denver, it's going to be interesting to see whether that game even goes ahead. RJ Hampton was placed in the protocol today and uh, there's going to be more players. That's the report. So I guess we'll wait and see whether that game actually goes ahead. To this point, the Bucks have only had the one game that has been postponed that they will have to catch up at some point with the Wizards. I guess, I don't know which game it is on the schedule, but the second half schedule is out. Just a couple of final numbers because uh, you know we talk about lineup data and sometimes it's really difficult to get a read on it. But when you talk about Giannis at the center, it's interesting because I think some of the, like the number on cleaning the glass is extremely low, but I guess it's a lot of the times he's with Bobby Portis. So is that, yeah, I, I don't know how they qualify that. I mean, he's certainly played in smaller lineups more than what is represented on cleaning the glass there. But uh, two of the, the top, uh, two of the top three, defensive ratings for five-man lineups so far this season out of uh, ones that have actually played extended minutes has come with Giannis and Bobby Portis uh, out on the floor. So, yeah, I mean, it's fun to see. I think we still ask ourselves why they don't switch everything in those lineups, and sometimes they're still playing drop coverage with Bobby Portis there, and uh, that's something that we, we continue to monitor. But I think overall, defensively, things are trending in the right direction, and it is important to note, and again, right to what I said at the top, this is why when Drew Holiday was out of the lineup, it's difficult to make any uh, really crazy uh, sort of interpretations of what we were seeing on the floor because the starting five on the season this year has a defensive rating of 104.7 in 253 minutes. Defensively, uh, that is a really, really solid group with great individual defenders in that lineup. And uh, we know, as we said, Bud has proven already he's going to play those guys more minutes. So that all bodes well for the postseason as well. I, I feel like we've probably gone pretty long here, but if we're ever going to do it, we had to do it on a, on a night where uh, the Bucks beat a fellow contender. They haven't done that too often this season. And one number that'll probably make you smile as we finish this off, Frank, Giannis is up to uh, 29.2 points per game. Is, uh, is that, how, how does that make you feel? That, that, I feel like that kind of happened quickly. Yeah, that escalated quickly. Um, I, you know, our, we, we had at the beginning of the year, right? I think we picked, you know, we always sort of say his over under is what he averaged last year. And is he going to go up again? And uh, for a while it was looking like, man, that I don't think he's going to hit, you know, 29 and a half plus. Uh, but certainly this month he's been terrific. And, um, you know, again, don't want to get too hard ahead of ourselves. Uh, four out of six from the free throw line today. Uh you know, basically he's right at that. That's basically his, his season average now, 75% in the month of February, which obviously is a really nice positive step forward. And, you know, he airballed his first free throw today, which was not <laughs> ideal. And I think he was, uh, I think he missed his second free throw as well. Um, only had that one free throw in the first half. And then uh, he did hit his last four free throws, including uh, three of three in the fourth quarter when the Bucks were coming back, right? I mean, he had... I think it was a 196. He has a three-point play to make it 199. Then he gets filed again where clearly he was under the basket. The Clippers were like, okay, you are not getting a shot up here. 
and he steps up and knocks down both those free throws as well. So that, you know, just even on a night where his free throw percentage wasn't, you know, great uh, in terms of its single game, um, you know, he made them when, when they mattered in a fourth quarter where he made all of his shots, six out of six, three out of three, I think from the final line. Um, so that was, that was really positive. And uh, yeah, I, and by the way, on the, on the lineup stuff, I don't even, I usually just, the way I look for Giannis center lineups, I just look for Giannis on Brook off um, mm-hmm. <laughs> just because yeah. uh, as you said, you know, is Bobby the center, you know, Bobby probably plays more the sort of center position in those lineups, but I find it, you know, kind of as you were alluding to, I find it most interesting doing that gives you a bit more flexibility. I agree with you. I, I think they should lean into switching more in those types of lineups because I think, you know, Bobby has limitations sort of I think the closer he gets to the basket, the less I sort of trust Bobby as a, as a defender. I think you know, he's not, he's not like, you know, obviously Giannis or something switching on the perimeter, but I think he's okay there. Um, and I, so I, we'll, we'll see, but I think that's been an encouraging thing to see as much as Portis is a, uh, let's just say lacking rim protector. The numbers are not pretty. Uh, if you look at like cleaning glass, uh, they're like, you know, first percentile or something like that the last couple of years in terms of opponent shooting at the rim or frequency at the rim, stuff like that. Um, but he's obviously played pretty well this year and deserves a lot of credit and, you know, has held up at least defensively enough and uh, certainly playing with a guy like Giannis um, that, that helps, uh, especially with the way he's been playing defensively. Well, remarkably, and this is probably a, the tale of uh, where the Eastern conference is at right now, but uh, the Bucks are only one game out of the one seed for the East. And uh, I've mentioned it a few times, but I do think trying to get one of those top two seeds will be beneficial, particularly if Brooklyn is one of those other two teams there. I think uh, you're probably going to look to try and avoid uh, that matchup as much as possible. But uh, look, the East is a mess, but the Bucks keep winning and they keep winning at home, which is important, 21 and 13 on the season. And that five-game losing streak is quickly been followed up with a five-game winning streak, which is much more enjoyable. And I, I don't want to draw any conclusions, but it's not lost on me that this winning streak happened as soon as I came back and started podcasting. So here we go. You can you can read into that uh, what you will. But Frank, uh, you said it when you DM'd me. I think I, uh, I think you said, uh, I think I should make time or I think I can manage a pod tonight after that win. Uh, we, we had to get together. And I think for all Bucks fans, just enjoy this one because uh, they don't, happen oh they aren't all as entertaining as enjoyable as that one during the regular season so uh, Denver up next like we said we'll wait and see what happens with the Nuggets hopefully uh, that game goes ahead but we'll be back tomorrow regardless so uh, stay safe out there we'll speak to you guys then